Hello and welcome back to Pacific Point of View. I'm Tyler Budge. I'm Hayden Weber. I'm Cole Tomadova. And together we are the Pacific Point of View. And uh, after a brief hiatus, we are back in full strength. For uh, it, it feels like we, we just haven't been at full strength consistently in a while. Yeah, you know, sometimes right around this time of year, people finishing up school, a time of transition. You know, now we're all out of school. Now we're kind of settling in with our, you know, jobs and whatnot. So feels like we're kind of going to be able to hit a stride now. But yeah, it it definitely was was a bummer to not be able to do the show the last couple of weeks. But glad to be back. And the second you thought we were full strength, the Instagram craps out. Yeah, you know, it's supposed to be it's supposed to be better than TikTok. It's supposed to be the American version, but. Right now, our, our American version is failing us. So let's let's get right into it because we've got a lot of college football to catch up on. It's the off season, so it feels like that shouldn't be the case. But you know, we're we're out of commission for a couple of weeks, and it feels like all heck breaks loose on the college football landscape. So let's get right into it. We'll start with our Wheaties uh, and Fruit Loops. College football season is. Guess how far away college football season is right now, boys. I'm going to say like 80 days. 100 days. Uh, Hayden nailed it right on the nose. It is 80 days until college football kicks off. Pretty surreal. Everybody sit tight. 80 more days uh, until week zero kicks off. And so in honor of week zero being 80 days away, let's do Wee's most anticipated week zero game. Hayden, what is it? There's a couple sneaky good games here, but I'm going to take – UH Vandy, I know Colt's probably going to take that one, but that's just such an intriguing game. I think it's going to be pretty evenly matched this year. You know, Vanderbilt, they, you know, they're coming into this game. Obviously, they're circling Hawaii on the schedule as one of those winnable games, but Hawaii is saying, you know what? You guys kicked our ass last year. We got a bad taste in our mouth. We want to take it back out on you. So there's just a lot of intrigue with that game. Any Hawaii Week Zero game. Is always just fun and kind of weird, and I think that's what we're in for for this one. Exactly, Hayden. It's the revenge game. I don't care that Vandy's favored by 17 and a half. Uh, we're going to go in there and light their ass up with the newly and improved run-and-shoot offense with Timmy Chang and the boys. Yeah, that's definitely the one I knew would get shouted out at least one time. Hayden, I'm I'm surprised that you doubled down on it. But I mean it, it is it is a great matchup and, and you just can't help but get excited about it even knowing the result last year was pretty bad. Uh how about Ohio at San Diego State? Two sleepers in the group of five. Colt, I know you're not crazy about the little guy anymore, but a couple of teams that I think could make a, a sneaky run at the New Year's six. Like the winner of this game, I'd say, is on a decent track for that the other game i'd shout out would be san jose state at usc get to see the heisman winner play week zero i mean that's pretty exciting also uh jacksonville state making their fbs debut granted it's against utep but still a notable occasion true i was surprised to see jacksonville state is favored in that game by two and a half i would have expected utep had like a little bit of a resurgence for the last couple years so Interesting. Let's jump forward into our Fruit Loops, where we're going to talk about the least anticipated Week Zero game. Because, you know, for every Hawaii Vandy game, there's, you know, a game that is a little less intriguing. So, Hayden, which game was that for you? 
Guys, FIU at Louisiana Tech just does not do it for me. These are two mediocre at best group of five programs. You know, Louisiana Tech had a little run a few years ago under Sonny Dykes. FIU doesn't know what it is. It's either terrible or maybe six and six at best. Louisiana Tech probably wins this game, but neither of these programs excite me this year. Guys, I went to the FCS, uh, South Carolina State versus Jackson State. I mean, there's no Deion Sanders there anymore, so who cares? I'm not going to be watching F FCS football for fun anymore. Yeah, that's an excellent point, Colt. I, I didn't even think to look in the FCS for, for Week Zero action. But uh, don't, doesn't the FCS have a game that like is before Week Zero? What, what is this? Like, I have no idea. I, <laughs> I, I sometimes – I vaguely remember there's sometimes like a mid-August FCS week where like a couple games are played or something like that. But I digress. I don't know if that's a real thing. Hayden, I also put down FIU at Louisiana Tech. This game does absolutely nothing for me. Uh, every other game I can get behind, even UMass versus New Mexico State is that fun New Mexico State team that won a bowl game. And then UMass, who is like the new baby University of Arizona with all those transfers they just got. So that that even that game is intriguing, but FIU Louisiana Tech man, like there's just nothing there. Yeah, why did UMass New Mexico State get put on ESPN and Vandy Hawaii got put to SEC Network? Man, that's brutal. That's tough, man. I mean, the SEC bias can't even help Hawaii, so that's just you hate to see it. Let's jump ahead into the big picture. We've got a few uh, interesting storylines here, the first of which Mackenzie Milton joins Tennessee's football staff as an analyst. Yeah, I love this move. Mackenzie Milton, he just got robbed, man. That If not for that injury, he was going to finish out strong at UCF. He got that second chance at Florida State. He was so good at UCF, man. Such a good QB, smart, you know, high football IQ guy. So I think I could see Mackenzie Milton working his way up and being a head coach someday. So this is a great start for him and a good get for Tennessee. Yeah, I love that he's getting his shot, you know, as a coach at Tennessee, coaching for a guy that he had chemistry with, at least in the latter part of his UCF career. But I actually think it's a bigger deal long term. I mean, if he's able to work his way up in the ranks from analyst to position coach to coordinator, this could definitely be someone that finds his way back home to the islands, maybe on Timmy Chang's staff or maybe as the future head coach of the Bows. Yeah, somehow I knew you'd take that angle eventually, Cole. I knew you'd <laughs> you'd wiggle your way around that topic to get there. But uh, there's been so much, so much news around conference like realignment and media rights deals. Um, but the most bizarre one, and now this, this news is a, a little over a week old now, uh, the Big Ten uh, has $70 million missing from their media rights deal because Kevin Warren made several mistakes, including one of them he didn't get all of the teams in the Big Ten to agree on the media rights deal. And I know another one, he promised the rights to a Big Ten championship game to like NBC when he didn't have the authority to do that. So uh, thoughts on this fiasco? Yeah, these are these are Larry Scott moves. I mean, that's just boneheaded mistakes, and that's going to piss some people off in the Big Ten. And that's not what you want to be doing when you're one of the stronger conferences in this era of realignment, because nobody's safe. I mean, Ohio State, they could bolt for the SEC. Who knows? I mean, that that's not even 
something that's being talked about, but you never know. So uh, definitely a bad look for the Big Ten. I don't think we're going to see any immediate repercussions from it, but it maybe they're not as solid of a conference, at least uh, from a, a front office perspective as we thought. Hayden, there's $70 million missing, but they did just sign a $7 billion TV deal. So it sounds like uh, Kevin Warren was just very bullish on making sure that deal gets done at at all costs. And he didn't really look at the fine print or uh, his authority of whether or not he can just start giving up Big Ten championship games to other networks. Yeah, I mean, obviously the Big Ten still got a lot of money, but to me, this news like this kind of makes me look at it like, man, the Big Ten was kind of masquerading around like, ah, oh, yeah, it's us in the SEC. It kind of drops him down a notch, in my opinion. It's kind of like maybe it's not quite Big Ten SEC. Maybe it's SEC and then Big Ten and then a little Big Twelve action, ACC, wherever the heck the Pac-12 lies now. Uh, if that's even going to be a conference, why not? Let's talk about the Pac-12 news. Colorado's athletic director came out and straight up said, yeah, we're committed to the Pac-12. We'd love to be part of the Pac-12 in a perfect world. But should the opportunity prevent, present itself, we're going to explore other options. And then you have Arizona State, on the other hand, who has officially become a member of the AAU, which I believe is a, like a prestigious what was it, medical school something yeah. conglomerate it's some it's some like it's like being a distinguished elementary school you're basically being recognized for being a legitimate academic institution i don't think you have to have a medical school you might actually which is why asu just announced they're they're making one but uh yeah. it's yeah so that's significant because that's something the big 12 requires for new conference members so hayden are you buying any of this these talks I honestly have no idea what to think at this point. You know, Colorado, obviously having been in the Big 12, there could be a little intrigue there for them to join. You know, they have leverage now with Deion Sanders. They're suddenly an interesting product and a, a sneaky team the Big 12 would want to get. The Arizona Wildcats, U, U of A has also been in, not necessarily in talks, but I think it was their president or somebody who said today that, they wanted to, he got asked point blank if Arizona was interested in the Big 12. He said, we got to wait and see what the finances look like. He didn't necessarily commit to the Pac-12. So I think ASU is actually third, uh, least likely out of Colorado and Arizona to bolt because you also think Arizona has that basketball program that's intriguing for the Big 12. ASU has consistently been the most, one of the most loyal schools to the Pac-12. And Michael Crow was one of the biggest supporters of Larry Scott. So I think it's going to take a lot to pry ASU from the Big 12. I don't think necessarily anything's in the works right now. But when I read that AAU news, I got a little bit excited. Not that I want to see the Pac-12 diminish, but I don't want to see ASU, sorry, Colt, in the Mountain West. So, you know, it's every program for themselves right now. And who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? Hey, man, put some respect on the Mountain West. You guys might find yourselves there. Who knows? Um, I, I feel like with this, right, the timing would be right. I mean, two years ago, it was the summertime when Texas and Oklahoma said they're going to bolt for the SEC. And then I believe it was last summer that the Big 12 announced their four new additions. So if we're going based on what happens every single summer, then, you know, the rumors, the rumors do have some validity to it. I just think it's very interesting how Colorado – went from being hot garbage last year 
to now thinking, oh, we're some hot chick. When really, let's see the wins first. True, yeah. But, you know, something that's undeniable is the the TV ratings for those Coach Prime games. They're going to be through the roof. And that seems to be the primary deciding factor in a lot of this is uh, money. So um, I, I would agree with your assessment, Hayden. I think Colorado seems like the most likely base, based on what's been talked about. The frustrating thing is why can't we get this stupid media deal done? Why haven't we even been able to put a dollar amount out there? Like there's been nothing nothing and it's just like it's embarrassing if i may i think the reason is because there are a few schools in there that are looking towards greener pastures and they're just holding out waiting to see if they get you know a fastball lob to them something that they can take uh you know obviously we know oregon and washington they're the furthest thing from committed to the pac-12 they're you know been rumored to be looking at the big 10 but yeah, I am a little bit surprised that we haven't even had a number thrown out there, like you said, because I think there are definitely schools like ASU, I would imagine Oregon State, Washington State, maybe Utah, who want to keep the Pac-12 together and strong. So I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, uh, more news about the NCAA football game. It's coming to come out in 2024. Uh, the news is that the compensation for athletes was just reported to likely be $500 per athlete. And because of that, a bunch of players in the College Football Players Association have announced that they're going to be holding out on the football game until they get better compensation. So what are your thoughts on this? I hate it. I mean, we the one... The one... Silver lining, if you will, to NIL for a lot of people other than, you know, athletes getting paid, people who hated NIL were like, you know what, at least we're going to get a college football video game, right? And if that doesn't happen, people will riot. I guarantee you that. I just, I don't understand why, why players are going to, are getting mad about that. I mean, like, I get it, but you realize, like, money doesn't just grow off trees. Like if you're a third string offensive lineman, who's a 50 overall in the game, like you think you're going to get a thousand dollars. And at the same time, like, is it really fair for certain players to get more money than others? Like it has to be consistent because technically everyone is on the same level playing field in college. So I, I don't know. I mean, I, I would buy the game. I don't care if, if, uh, Jaden Daniels or Jaden Rashada or whoever's in the game. I don't care if it's fake names or QB number five playing for Arizona State. I'm buying the game. Um, so whether the players want to commit to it or not, I could personally care less as long as the game gets made. I just want to shout out uh, Ed O'Bannon for ruining uh, college football video games about 10 years ago around this time. Because uh, now I feel like we're so close and once again we're so far. EA Sports, I just looked it up, they're worth $34.83 billion. So I don't know, maybe that's what these players are looking up to. They're like, oh, can we get a cut of this $34 billion? But Hayden, you're right. I mean, I genuinely don't care whether or not these players are getting paid. You can get paid through NIL. Please don't F up the video game. I think this is just so stupid. I mean, the payment from the beginning to me is you get to be in a freaking video game. Like, that's awesome. 
and now they're saying we'll give you $500 and you get to be in a freaking video game. It's free advertising. People are going to be playing as you with your name. They're going to be like, oh, I love Emery Jones. I play with him in my Cincinnati dynasty. And they're going to go buy a jersey. Like, that's the that's other payment. I don't understand what the entitlement is with these players who are like, oh, you know what? I don't want to just be in an awesome video game and get 500 bucks. I want to get more money. And it's just like, what? What? Come on. Just just take it. I, I know. Think, yeah. It would be awesome, though, if this is a radical idea I had just now. What if they scaled the pay per player based on their overall? Yo. <laughs> the overall is <laughs> That would be that would be pretty exciting. Um let's let's jump to some other news. Penn State and Michigan, I said Michigan, it was Michigan State. Penn State and Michigan State have moved their regular season game this season uh to a neutral site at Ford Field. Uh, we all know our thoughts on neutral site games. Obviously, we're not usually fans of them around here. But if you could move one of these games that is supposed to be a home game, but it's at a neutral site this season, what game would you move to a home field? This is easy for me. Florida State LSU. That is the easiest one, in my opinion. It's a travesty that it wasn't last year. It's a travesty that it isn't this year. Those are two, when the stands are full and the teams are good, which is the case this year, those are two top 10 electric environments in college football. And to get a SEC, ACC powerhouse rivalry like that, well, not not rivalry, a non-rivalry against two giants in their respective conferences is kind of rare, uh, aside from Georgia Clemson, who are basically rivals now. So I think it, I think it's a shame that we're not getting that game at uh at in death valley or at uh, fsu stadium and i'm with you but i'm gonna go with florida georgia i wish this game was in gainesville i know this is a neutral site game every single year in jacksonville but i just think if this game was played in the swamp or, or at least on a rotational basis georgia has a lot tougher time than at jaguar stadium and especially when we're looking for trap games for this year on their current schedule i mean this neutral site game makes it a lot easier because now when we're trying to pick off losses for this Georgia team, you're really limited to only like at Auburn or at Tennessee. Um, but at Gainesville would have been super tough. Yeah, it's just dumb, man. I, I got one in particular, a little under the radar. Tennessee versus Virginia this year. They took it and they put it at a neutral site, which I think is so dumb. Because this game at either environment, you get to see a Tennessee home game. You saw how rowdy that crowd can get at Neyland. Or Tennessee at Virginia – Suddenly that game just becomes a little bit more intriguing to me. Like, And the passion and the emotion that Virginia will have coming off of that terrible tragedy they had last year, like that environment would have been electric for an opening week game. It might be week two or something like that. Um, but yeah, also the Penn State-Michigan game, Michigan State game is also rough. I would move that uh, to, to either home stadium. That just seems like a robbery as well. But Obviously, uh, it seems like a trend that's not going to stop. But luckily, I, I think it's like it's a being managed well. Like, you know, it's not like we're seeing every game go neutral site, but it is it is a thing that is happening. Uh, ESPN dropped a list of their top t- 75 quarterbacks since 2000. And some notable names on there. There are only two names from ASU, Oregon State, and Hawaii combined. They're both from Hawaii. We had number oh. 73, Timmy Chang, number 42 on the list, Colt Brennan. 
their top 10 in order, Baker Mayfield, Cam Newton, Vince Young, Tebow Time, Joe Burrow, Deshaun Watson, Kyler, Lamar Jackson, Mariota, and RG3. So what are your thoughts on this list? What are your takeaways, Hayden? Okay, so they had Baker at number one? That is correct. I don't think so, guys. I, I There are a couple different options you could have gone for. Baker Mayfield, a great college quarterback. He's not the greatest of all time. Didn't win a natty. Um, that, that one thing. Obviously, it was a Heisman, but Vince Young, Cam Newton, Tim Tebow, easily over him, in my opinion. Uh, you could even throw – you could probably throw Joe Burrow ahead of him as well, uh, in my opinion. But, yeah, I'm not surprised that we didn't have any Sun Devils on that list. ASU since 2000, good, not great quarterback play. Uh, not surprised there. But, yeah, I, I've got a big problem with Baker at number one. You know, I, first of all, love the respect that they gave to Timmy Chang and Colt Brennan. Timmy Chang, by the way, still holds the records for the most career plays, passes attempted, and interceptions of any college quarterback in terms of career numbers. Uh, and second all-time in passing yards. So he's not too shabby, uh, but he wasn't Colt Brennan, of course, who I'm very glad is also pretty high up on this list. Uh, it was pretty cool to see Colin Kaepernick at 31. I actually forgot about him. Uh, Mariota at 9, Tua at 21. I'm not complaining either. But I just think Joe Burrow to be number one hands down on this list. And Manziel, based on what he did, should at least be top 10. Oh, yeah. yeah. I didn't even see him out there. True. Where was Manziel? I think 12 or 11 or something like that. Hmm. Yeah, so it's my issue with this list is I can see what they were trying to do. I see that they were trying to value sustained success versus one great year versus a peak. And I just think that's a really rough way to develop a top 75 list like this. Because when you think of the player, you're thinking them of them at their peak. For Joe Burrow, you're not picturing the backup at Ohio State or his first year at LSU where he threw 30 touchdowns and 11 picks. You're thinking of 60 touchdown Joe Burrow lighting up Oklahoma. And like same goes for Cam Newton. No one's thinking of the backup at Florida that's stealing laptops. Everyone's thinking of the no-one-can-stop-me Heisman at Auburn. So I, I just think, yeah, with Baker, if you want to say he had three elite seasons and Newton only had one elite season, Young only had one elite season, Tebow – had two, actually. So even using that logic, I think Tebow should be above Baker because Tim Tebow's elite seasons were better than his. But it, it's it's tough because I can see the logic they were trying to use. But to, in my opinion, I just think they overthought this one. I, I agree completely with you, Hayden. Newton, Young, Tebow at the very least, even Burrow probably, should all be above Baker Mayfield. Not to disrespect Baker, though. I think top 10 is still fine. So that wraps up that. Um, but in, in the light of ranking people, I decided, you know, let's get some skin in the game ourselves. Uh, let's rank. Who do you think will be the top five players in college football this season? Oh, man, this is this is a tough list to make. So many great players coming back this year. Uh, but here we go. I'm going to go number. I'll go five to one. Uh, coming in at number five, this is probably the most controversial one. I'm going to go Drake May the North Carolina quarterback. I'm a big believer in Drake May, always have been. Uh, I've only watched him like twice, to be honest, but from what I've seen, the guy just amazes me. Uh, I think he's maybe the best pure passer. He's right up there with Caleb Williams. 
you can just tell the intangibles, incredible. The only thing holding him back, like we've kind of talked about, could be his team this year. Uh, coming in at number four, I've got Blake Corum, the Michigan running back. He's been there. He's been doing this for a couple years now. I think he's going to have a nice crescendo uh, season here on his way to the NFL. But a lot of these hyped running backs in college have kind of disappointed in recent years. But I think pound for pound, Corum's top five. Coming in at number three, I've got Marvin Harrison. I think the best wide receiver in college football at Ohio State. Number two, I'm going to go Brock Bowers, the Georgia tight end. Uh, I've talked about many times. I think he, pound for pound, is the best player at his position relative to other players at his position in college football. He's just miles better than any other tight end in the game. He could be in the NFL right now. He'd probably be a top 15 tight end in the NFL. And number one, the reigning defending Heisman Trophy winner, Caleb Williams. You got to give him the benefit of the doubt uh, and a chance to prove it this year. All righty, oh. Number one, I also have Caleb Williams projected uh, next Arizona Cardinals QB if uh, things shake Let's out like go. that. <laughs> uh, number two, Marvin Harrison Jr., uh, over 1,200 yards last year receiving and 14 touchdowns. He's only getting better. Uh, who knows? He might be better than his dad when uh, everything's all said and done. Number three, I'm going to go defense. I'm going to go with Kool-Aid McKinstry. He led the SEC last year in passes defended, uh, also a projected top five pick. So he is definitely going to be a guy to watch next year. Uh, and then Olu Muyiwa Fashanu. I mean, I saw this guy's name, and I was like, he is definitely going in this top five list. He is six foot six, 321 pounds. I mean, if we're talking Penn State being a force this year and actually being able to beat a Michigan or Ohio State, using that run game, protecting Drew Aller, then yeah, this guy is going to be the reason why. And then my last guy, I'm going to go with Will Shipley. Okay, I think new OC Garrett Riley is going to jumpstart this offense for Clemson, and I think Will Shipley at running back is just going to be a big part of it. Uh, he had almost 1,200 yards last year and 15 tutties. So if Clemson's going to win the ACC, win the Natty, this guy is going to be huge. Yeah, love those lists, boys. Uh, Caleb Williams, number one in mine as well. I think you just got to. He's the reigning Heisman winner. It would just be disrespectful to not have him at number one. Uh, and he was and he was deservedly the Heisman winner, might I add. Marvin Harrison Jr. at number two, the best wide receiver prospect since Randy Moss. I mean, he's just cold. There, there is so much hype around this guy right now, and it's, it's also for good reason. Number three, Brock Bowers. I agree with what you said, Hayden. Compared to the guys at his position, he's the top. The two guys I've got that haven't been mentioned left. Yet. Number four, Jared Verse. Jared Verse could have been a first-round defensive end drafted this year. Instead, he comes back to Florida State for another season for a defense that returned 10 of their 11 starters. It's just going to be unbelievable. There's going to be so much support for him on this team, and he's going to shatter some records this year. And then uh, number five, Harold Perkins Jr. He is the linebacker, the outside linebacker at LSU that was terrorizing teams. He had a game against Arkansas this last year where he had like four sacks and several forced fumbles. He was terrorizing those guys. He stood out in a number of areas. I remember him making plays against Bama as well. So I look for him to really step up for LSU's defense. I think he was a big part. He was also a true freshman last season. So Harold Perkins Jr., that's I think a name to remember. Top five player in college football. Look at right here. But uh, you know, those are the top five players in college football. But 
we also need to be spending money right now. And Colt, oh, <laughs> Colt has a lot of places we can spend that money when, you know, right now we can't necessarily bet on the five plus players. We can bet on other things. So Colt, what, what can we bet on? Okay, guys. So I just got like this part-time gig with the Suns and I just read the employee handbook and it says, I can't bet on the Suns, the Mercury, the NBA or the WNBA in general. Oh. So it's wow. So I was going to give you a lock on like this heat nuggets game right now, but I can't because <laughs> the employee handbook said so. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you guys to get out your phone, right? Go to the FanDuel app and go to NCAAF futures. Okay. You're going to see a heading titled conference winners. And guys, did you know that you can parlay conference champions and everything here is plus money, of course. But here's an example of what I've already done and put money on. Clemson wow. plus 190 to win the ACC. Michigan plus 210 to win the Big Ten. Baylor, okay, hear me out. It's the Big 12, anything can happen. At plus 2,000. USC at plus 200. And Bama at plus 220. Guys, 10 bucks on just those five legs will win you $18,000, boys. Wow. Try your own combinations. It's easy money. I hate to say it, man. One of those is not like the others. But that's a strong parlay. That's that's strong. Baylor. I like it. It's a, it's a build-your-own-luck, okay? I, I like it. Yes, sir. Nothing else, Cole? That's it? No, that, that that's it. You just got to build wow. it. I also did another one. It was a 14-leg parlay where I included those five legs with my NFL division winners. Um, that was $0.24 cents to win – Nine hundred ninety-nine thousand and like nine hundred dollars. All right, so you're gonna you're gonna be a millionaire. <laughs> yes. All right, that's exciting, Colt. Let's that, let's go. Drinks on where's, people. Where's the quote? The quote? Yeah, yeah. Where's the inspirational quote? Well, I got an inspirational quote. Um, playing the long game, Tyler Budge. Take All right. All right. <laughs> Look, Budge's college football 2023 season preview. There we go. There we go. That, that'll work as something. Thank you, Colt. Appreciate the, the shout out. But, guys, this is a Pac-12 show. After what? All. We, we haven't – we barely talked Pac-12. So let's get to the Pac-12 section of the Pac-12 show. Uh, ESPN dropped their post-spring SP Plus ratings. It's been a couple weeks since they did. But, you know, the numbers are still out there. They're still valid. Uh, and this is where each Pac-12 team stands and also how their rating changed. So USC at 7, they moved up three spots. Ducks at 11, that's down three spots. So USC leapfrogging the Ducks, the top-rated team. Utah at 14, that's just a one-spot change down. Washington at 17, also dropped a spot. UCLA slipping three spots, down from 21 to 24. Beavs and Cal are up. Oregon State's up 1 to 30. Cal's up 4 to 54. And then Washington State and ASU, both with big drops. Washington State dropped from 53 to 58. ASU from 53, eh, like 52 to 63. And then uh, ASU and Stanford with big leaps. AS A Arizona in the top 70. Stanford uh, cracks the top 100. Colorado slips nine more spots down to 103. And then we've got Hawaii, who's up seven spots to a 124. So what are your thoughts on where they currently stand, how things changed, and uh, what direction do you think they're headed? All right. So I think with these SP Plus ratings, they, they value 
not necessarily the quality of players you lose in the portal, but the quantity. Uh, because ASU and Colorado obviously lost some guys out of the portal after the spring game. And th- I believe those were the two biggest fallers that we saw on yeah. this list. Even though ASU picked up Jordan Tyson. Uh, I don't know if Colorado got anyone else, but it's a little bit of a flawed thing in my opinion. But, I mean, if you look at this, take it for face value. Cal is still way too high. I don't know why people think they're a top 50 team. I know they're going to get maybe better quarterback play this year, but I have no confidence in uh, in, in their coaching staff and, and, quite frankly, in much of anything about Cal this year. Watch them go 7-5. and five. Uh, Washington State, I think I think they should be below the Arizona schools. I mean, they lost a ton of players. They're uh, both of their coordinators, I believe, and just doesn't seem like a lot of momentum going on. They're kind of stale right now. And then obviously Colorado, I being below Stanford just makes zero sense to me whatsoever. Uh, Stanford at ninety five is about right, but just I don't get the disrespect for Colorado. Cool. Oh, thanks, guys. Sorry, I cut out for a second. That run and shoot, boys. I have to double down on this, okay? UH, that's why they're moving up the rankings, okay? That's why we're up plus seven because someone got win. That when Hawaii does the run and shoot, we win. The last time we did it, we won 10 games. We went 10 and five with Rolo. I'm not sure why we weren't running it with Todd Graham, but maybe that's not, maybe that's why he's not there anymore. Um, I, as it pertains to the Pac 12, yes, Hayden, I'm with you. Colorado will end up higher than Stanford. ASU is a bit of a wild card. Washington at 17 seems okay for now, but in my opinion, I think there's a better chance they drop out of that top 25 than stay at 17 by the end of this thing. And, and like you said, Cal at seven, Cal surprisingly high, and I think them getting higher is just ridiculous right now. Yeah, I agree. I, we, none of us understand the Cal hype, and I think we're all tired of banking on Cal. But uh, to me – the intrigue is ASU dropped a ton and Arizona jumped a bunch. And yet ASU still has a significant gap between them and Arizona. I just find that really interesting. I, I don't have much to complain about with the order. The only like gripes I'd have would be like Cal obviously. And then UCLA above Oregon state, you know, I've got, I've got some thoughts on that as well, but um, yeah, it's weird. I think I saw an article talking specifically about this ranking rating system and about how Colorado has been like a huge issue because their rating system wildly like miscalculates on Colorado, or I guess maybe not miscalculates, depends on who you're talking to. But at 103, it still just seems outlandish. I know we talked about that before, but the, to double down with a drop, it just seems like they're not adjusting their numbers. So you just take that how it is. But uh, to continue in the Pac-12 vein of things, uh, let's do some Pac-12 superlatives. You know, we've, we've done a few exercises trying to, you know, rate each of these teams, their position groups. But let's do some superlatives. So we'll start from the top with best offense. This one is – it's a two-horse race in my opinion. Uh, but I'm going to go edge USC. We talked about it. They have one of the best O-lines, one of the best wide receiver rooms, the best quarterback room. Uh, it, it doesn't get much better than USC on offense. They're one of the deepest offenses in the country, led by Lincoln Riley. So I got to go USC here. And, yes, USC's got the best QB. But I also saw Washington with the best wide receiver core 
I'm actually going to go with Oregon State on this one because their O-line is solid. Okay, Joshua Gray, Talisi Puaga, and Jake Levengood are all preseason first-team guys. And I also think with Damian Martinez running back, their QB room is, is pretty, like, sustainable, I guess you could say right now. With DJ coming in, you got a guy in Aiden Childs who's on the come-up as a rook. And then Gold Branston, who's already played a year. And so I think it's a reliable QB room. The questions may be a wide receiver, but Anthony Gould is back, and he can get the job done. Hey, you know, I'll take it. But I, I just think I think you can't pick against USC. I obviously love the Beavs. I'm rocking the uh, Damian Martinez jersey today. But uh, it's got to be USC. I th- USC is just going to be the best offense in the Pac-12 until Lincoln Riley leaves. Anytime you're betting against this USC offense leading the conference statistically – you're taking a gamble. So uh, definitely watch out for them. I, I was looking at their receiving core again the other day, I think, and it's just so filthy, man. They they just constantly have so many good players out there. But uh, let's talk about the flip side of the ball. Who has the best defense? I'm going to go with the Oregon Ducks. I think they have uh, – I believe Tosh Lapoy is still there, their defensive coordinator – um, and he's got a great group to work with, as always. They've recruited the defensive side super well uh, ever since Mario Cristobal took over, and that's translated to Dan Lanning, who's obviously a defensive, you know, has a defensive background. Uh, great defensive line. Their linebacking group took a bit of a hit this offseason, uh, but still strong, and their, their DB room is very deep. Uh, so I really like this Oregon defense in a year where a lot of teams – took a step back on defense, I think the Ducks maybe got a little bit better. Budge, as promised, I told you, when I don't know the answer to a question, I'm just going to read the book. So, (laughs) this one, I stumbled across Utah, and it says Utah wrote the best defense in the Pac-12 to win the conference title. But you make a good point here, because of the five players that Utah ended up getting from the transfer portal, Three of them came on defense, including a pretty good guy named Miles Battle from Ole Miss. He's going to be a playmaker in the secondary. Thank you, at CF Bud, for providing me with this knowledge. Yeah, no, Hayden, I gotta, I gotta hook you up with one of those as well. Uh, Definitely, it sounds like that guy knows what he's talking about, Colt. Uh, I would, (laughs) Utah's definitely in the conversation for that. I definitely agree. Um, you cannot deny the depth that Oregon has assembled on the defensive line, though. It is so scary good. And you also can't ignore what USC has done. So, yes, Utah did bolster that defense, but I think I'm going to give a slight edge to the Ducks right now. Uh, let's let's move on to the next. You're saying that you agree? Like, you just agreed with yourself? <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I think that's an excellent point that I made. Uh, let's go to the best head coach. All right, I'm going to go the Utah Utes. They've got the legend Kyle Whittingham. It's between him and Lincoln Riley, uh, but I'm going to go edge to win. When I read this question, I was thinking the staff, and I was thinking USC, offensively, they're cracked. Okay, I mean, it's not fair. You got Lincoln Riley, who's now coached three Heisman Trophy QBs, but then Dennis Simmons, who coached D.D. Westbrook at wide receiver, Hollywood Brown, CeeDee Lamb, and now Jordan Addison into the NFL. I mean, just having these two guys on top of Cliff Kingsbury, these guys are loaded offensively. Yeah, and I go with Utah as well. Whittingham, Whittingham, I think, just had a head-to-head matchup versus Riley, where Riley had the more talented roster, and Whittingham said, no, it doesn't matter. We're still going to crush you in the Pac-12 title game. So I thought that was really impressive. So giving the edge to Utah, 
could you could argue Lincoln Riley? I wouldn't complain, but Whittingham has just done done it so many times. He does more with less. Uh, best coaching staff. I'm also going to go with the Utah Utes. Uh, I didn't go. I didn't look too closely at like you know the position coaches, but I'm thinking head coach, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. The Kyle Woodingham, Morgan Scally, Andy Ludwig trio is so consistent, so reliable. They recruit to their skill set. They develop players. In my opinion, the Utah Utes have the best coaching staff in the Pac-12. Guys, my answer for the last question was my answer for this question. Um, so my, my best head coach is going to be Kyle Whittingham as well. I mean, the, the sustained success and the players that fit the mold of that program constantly feels like they're overachieving. And we think they're going to regress. When I think the season's all over, when they're one and three, they end up winning the whole damn conference. Yeah, I noticed you listed all the coordinators last time, but I was like, I'm just going to let Colt roll with it. He seemed <laughs> he was in a groove. Uh, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say, hey, most underrated coaching staff. I'm gonna go with the Oregon State Beavers, and I love this about the Bees right now because uh, you got Brian Lindgren and you've got Trent Bray at defensive coordinator, and no one no one's talking about them getting hired away. Like it's awesome. They're so awesome. Like what Lindgren was able to do with a limited offense that Goldbranson struggled for a lot of the year. There was injuries, and then Trent Bray as a defensive coordinator has been so good. He's been quietly like one of the best defensive coordinators in the entire conference. Uh, I'll say, too, ASU is a sleeper down the line. I really like that Brian Ward. They got his defense coordinator. He's a driving force behind that Washington State defense that was arguably the best in the Pac-12 last season, at least, like, top three. They were great down the stretch. Their offense was just terrible with Sham Ward. But I I'd say keep an eye on ASU down the line because I think Dillingham did a pretty good job. Uh, most fun to watch. This is where I'm going to go with the Washington Huskies. Uh, the Michael Penix Jr. Romo Dunze uh, combo is going to absolutely shred defenses this year. I'm also excited to watch their how their running back room shakes out because we know they're going to have a strong O line. We know Ryan Grubb is going to call some awesome plays. I'm I kind of want to see Daniel and Gata get involved in that offense. I was really frustrated with how Herm Edwards used him at ASU. Uh, especially last year. I thought they didn't use him enough at all. I think he could potentially be the RB1 at UW at some point this season. Uh, it, it's it's anyone's job there at running back, but that offense, they're going to put up points. They remind me of prime Oregon uh, back in the Chip Kelly days, and we know what that's like. It's a fun brand of football. I'm going to go with Colorado. As Michael Jordan would say, the ceiling is the roof here for this program. I mean, Dion can come in. Do whatever he wants with his luggage. They can go 0 and 12. They go 12 and 0. They'll still be the most fun team to watch, in my opinion, because they'll be making headlines on and off the field for four months straight. And then, not to mention, they're also flirting with other conferences. So that just adds to just the drama of it all. Yeah, that is pretty exciting stuff. Hey, most fun to watch uh, Arizona if you like scoring, because you're going to see a lot of it on both sides of the ball. You're going to see, you know, Delora tossing the ball around on one side, and then U of A learning how to tackle on the other. So if you enjoy scoring, that's going to be the type of game to tune in for, which I know that's what's most popular most of the time. Uh, but, you know, for every game that's fun to watch, uh, there's other ones that are eating their Fruit Loops, a little Fruit Loop cameo late in the show. What are the ones that are hardest, or who's the team that will be the hardest to watch in the Pac-12 this year? 
You know, for as much as we crap on Cal, they have a little bit of an interesting quarterback situation, and they have Jaden Ott uh, and uh, Byron Cardwell. So that they could have some good running backs. So I'm not going to go Cal. I'm going to go Stanford. There's just nothing that intrigues me at all about this team except for their kicker. Uh, so unless it comes down to a field goal battle, which I will be tuning in for, uh, most of the time I would prefer, would prefer not to watch Stanford this year. I'm not an RE Patu guy. I couldn't name one wide receiver on the roster anymore except for, never mind, I forgot his name already. Uh, so Stanford is the team that I'm not excited to watch this year. Hayden, I'm with you. I went Stanford and Cal. For me, it's tough to watch a program that doesn't really have an identity, and I feel like both of these programs don't really know what the hell's going on here. I expect Wilcox to get fired and Stanford to have a pretty rough time, especially with that non-conference schedule that starts off with the Bows. Uh, that might be the only Stanford game I watched this season. Yeah, I mean, we could have renamed this category to Games Colt Will Not Be Watching. Uh, <laughs> Washington State is mine on this list. Uh, I think Cam Ward's still going to get wrecked. They just didn't do enough to acknowledge the offensive line, and there's a chance the defense is significantly worse. They lost both of their starting linebackers, their elite starting linebackers, and their defensive coordinator. Hayden talked about that earlier. And so just with those losses, their defense won't be fun to watch anymore. Their offense is not going to be fun to watch. It's not fun to watch a really talented quarterback like Sham Ward just get sacked in two seconds every time. So I just think that's going to be really hard to watch, just knowing the potential that this group once had that it seemingly dissipated this offseason. Uh, next superlative, we'll have the weirdest storylines. It's got to be Colorado. You already know something's going to happen with with the post-game Dion interview, something like that. Plus, with all the Big 12 uh, talks going on, we... <laughs> <laughs> the pump button. Uh, so you basically said it though in the previous segment. That's why I'm interested to see what kind of storylines come out of Colorado. So that's where I have them. Uh, well, I do think Arizona is a candidate for this header. Uh, I'm going to go with UCLA. Uh, I think Chip Kelly, man, is he a risk at losing his job? I mean, the AD at UCLA, he didn't hire Chip Kelly. And he's still below 500 all-time in wins at UCLA. Also feels like a natural pivot point in terms of leaving the Pac-12, going to the Big Ten. Just a lot of stuff going on. Also, I expect them to regress, you know, not having DTR and that reliable QB there. You're still kind of in this experimental phase. So I just think UCLA is just going to be absolutely weird. And I don't think the Rose Bowl is going to be packed at all either. Yeah, Cole, I also I also put down UCLA, Big Ten stuff, Rose Bowl stuff. Chip Kelly's kind of a strange guy. Uh, we, we did, I think we talked about, like, Thanksgiving superlatives. Chip Kelly would be, be a bit strange. He, what was it? He'd lick his plate after he was done with his, his thing. Um, uh, but I also said Cal. Cal, because Wilcox, I think we all agree he has the hottest seat in the Pac-12 right now. And so there's also the the rumbles that the athletic department doesn't actually care that much. And so I think we could start to see some weird stuff where they just don't care. And they're just willing to keep Wilcox around like an 0-4 Cal start, but there's just no rumors about job security. So I think there's potential for some weird storylines for those California schools. Also Stanford. Their co have you seen uh, Troy Taylor? Have you seen what he looks like? 
not since he's taken the job. He looks a little gooberish. I feel like he he could be a bit of a goober this year. He could have some interesting yeah. sound bites. <laughs> he does look a little goober. <laughs> right? He's he's kind of got a similar vibe to Jonathan Gannon, where it's like, yeah, yeah, is he okay? You know, yeah. And it doesn't get weirder than suspending your mascot, right, for these guys. That was pretty weird last year, and yeah, anything could happen on the farm. Could get some some wild storylines, but that concludes Pac-12 superlatives. We're gonna move forward to everyone's favorite segment: mascot or Let's- mask. Not where I'm trying to remember what happened last time. I believe Colt didn't succeed. Hayden, I think you just barely won last time. Like you got it at the buzzer. Sounds about right. Okay. Yeah. So we've got a fresh set of, let me confirm real quick that it's eight. Actually it's nine. So we've got nine mascots and Matt's not. So uh, you, I'm gonna have, I'm gonna give you guys some some slack here. Just gotta go five for nine. That's that's a lower bar than usual. Usually it's five for eight. We'll see if that means both of you guys can get through. So here we go. First uh, mascot or mass not. It's going to be cayenne pepper. Oh come on. Let me know when you guys uh, have your answer. Writing mine down. Okay. Wait, are we writing this down? Okay, I can write them down too. Okay. Yeah, you guys can do that. Ooh, I have a whiteboard. Yeah, that would be more convenient. That'd save more trees. It would. All right. All right, you guys ready? Yep. Three, two, one. Show them. Not mascot. Mascot. Not. It is not. a mascot. Cayenne Pepper what? is a mascot for the Louisiana Lafayette Raging Cajuns who runs around their stadium. His an name is for an FBS program. All right. Here we go. The next one. Yellow Creature. <laughs> Yellow Creature. Got it. I know what it is. Yeah, maybe just you guys should just do one note that says mass not and one that says mascot. Not that, yeah. There we go. Colt's already a step ahead. All right. If you both of you guys are ready, three, two, one. Mascot. Mascot. It is a mask not. <laughs> mass not. Yellow creature is not a mascot. Both Ooh. over two to start. All right. Next next one. The straw man. The straw man. He's like a play on other nicknames that like we've called Bosky or something. The straw <laughs> I'm ready. Let me know when you guys are ready. I'm ready. Okay. Three, two, one. Not a mascot. Mascot. Hayden says mascot. Colt says not. It is a mask not. So Colt gets his first one. Hayden is 0 for 3. 0 for 3 start. That is, yeah, I so this is a J.R. Smith in the finals type performance right now. Uh, but he's still, still got time to make up ground here. Here we go. Uh, the purple cow. The what purple. am I so far? Colt, you are 1 for 3. Wow. Okay, the purple cow. All right. All right. 
Three, two, one. Mascot. That's a mask knot. And mascot. it is a mascot! Williams yeah. College! Williams College has the purple cow as their mascot. <laughs> Hayden falls to 0 for 4. Oh, no. Colt is 2 for 4. So Hayden has to be perfect from here on out to come back. The next, the next one, Lord Jeff. <laughs> there is no way. There's no Jeff. Lord Jeff. Lord Jeff. Are you going to work tomorrow? My boss is Jeff. It's true. All right. Uh, three, two, one. No. Mascot. Wait, no. Hayden says no. mascot. Colt says mascot. No, no not a mascot. Oh, you said mascot. It is yeah. a mascot. Lord Jeff. What? At Amherst College, as Lord Jeff as their mascot, he's like a fancy lord with all the the long locks. Hayden is out of it already. I lost. But Colts has a chance here. You have a chance to still beat Colt because Colts only gotten two. So I guess that's your motivation at this I've point. I got three. All right. Uh, got you got the you got the straw man and the purple cow, Colt. You're two for five right now. And I got Lord Jeff. You said not. He's a mascot. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Okay. All right. Next one is the fighting pickle. The I'm gonna try and switch up the mojo. I'm not writing mine down. Oh wow. Okay. Here we go. Anything. Rally caps on. Uh, All right. My answer. Three, two, one. Mascot. Mascot. Both say mascot. That is correct. The Fighting Pickle. The North Carolina School of the Arts has the flat Fighting Pickle. So impressive there. Both get it. Colts up to three. Hayden's got one. Next up, we've got Izzy the Islander. Izzy the Islander. Huh. Huh. All right. You guys ready? Yeah. Okay. Th three, two, one. Mascot. I'm going to say mask not. And it is a mascot. Is he the Islander for Texas A&M Corpus Christi? That's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Colt you somehow like actually knew that one. Years ago. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Colt, Colt got it from there. Hayden is having an all-time slump right now. Yeah. Uh, Colt, I think that gets you up to four. Am I correct with that? Okay, so Colt just needs one more. Next up, we have Andy the Anteater. Mark Andy? Andy the Anteater, for whenever you guys are ready. All right. Okay, here we go. Three, two, one. Mascot. Not a mascot. And it is a mascot. Not Hayden misses oh, another. Colt has hit five. How about that comeback? I have never hey, seen anything I was like due. I was due for a bad one. Yeah, true. Hayden used up all his his correct ones earlier, apparently. And we have the last one, Charlie the Choker. This one would have been awesome if Colt had one left, because then if he misses it, he becomes the Choker. Yeah, there's no way. Uh, all right. I'm gonna go all on this, then. Okay, Colt puts it all on this. Hayden says mask not. Colt, what say you? Mascot. He says mascot. Charlie the Choker is a mascot from Gray's Harbor College. And Colt, Colt goes six for nine. What a run by Colt. And 
what a what a collapse from Hayden. Charlie the Choker for Gray's Harbor College. That concludes our mascot or mass not, and we have officially reached low tide. Well, boys, we uh, we made it through some technical difficulties to hear Hayden. Hayden, going home after that performance, it, it must not feel great. I I think I need to transfer to uh, Gray's Harbor College. But hey, you know what? That if they lose at anything, what are you gonna say? They choked. They're chokers. Like that's their thing. So. It's like the ultimate, I don't know what you call it, but it's clever in a way. So, yeah, I'm uh, not feeling good about that performance. That was an all-time terrible uh, game, Pacific Point of View game performance. But we'll be back next week. We'll be back. Hayden, you suck. Start studying. Get better. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, yeah, Cole, what do, you, what do you have to say about your performance, actually? We got to get your sound by. You, you were six of nine. I mean – I'm just happy I'm not a choker. Um, the Andy the Aardvark or Artichoke just sounded like, eh, Ant eater, but, you know. Yeah, same thing. I don't even know, bro. That, that was just awesome. I'm happy I can finally win something on this show because I'm typically uh, a loser. So I'm ready for bed. <laughs> wow. All right. We got the props out and everything. Colt's just high on that W right now. Uh, any parting thoughts, guys, before we wrap this show up? Parting thoughts is that ESPN list, the more I look at the QB list, the more I look at it, the more I don't understand why they made that list. And one last, my final parting thought is you can't judge a college football player's career off of, I'm going to say the full thing. You have to go who had the best year because some guys are literally only playing one year and then they're off to the league. Guys, my parting thought is uh, when you're at the grocery store, you're going to end up picking up that new SI Swim magazine potentially. But you should also get one of these magazines. It is absolutely lit. 144 pages of college football written by your very own Tyler Budge. Of course, we have to plug this. Get your copy now. All right, Cole. Appreciate you using your time for a uh, a magazine plug. Yes, that is a very exciting thing. So uh, hit up Colt for details. Uh, if that's all we got, I'm Tyler Budge. I'm Hayden Weber. And I'm Gold Dover. And with that, we wave goodbye. <laughs>